Welcome to Songs and Stories, the Not For Musicians Only music podcast. Well, alrighty. Welcome once again to Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories episode number 87 this time out. Well, I hope the year's treating you well, and as for me, or in particular as far as this little podcast that could, it's going very well. Uh, as you might know, you can always find all of these episodes on my website, michaelgaither.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. There's an archive that goes all the way back to episode one from little over three years ago. These are also up in iTunes, which you can subscribe to for free and download them and listen to whenever you want. Uh, and uh, back east in Baltimore, Grateful Dread Public Radio, which you can currently find at gdreadradio.wordpress.com. They're currently moving to a new site. It's an online radio station that's been playing this as a Friday evening show at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, probably for a couple of years, and most recently, the fine folks at KC Cafe Radio, another online station, which you can find at, as I nonchalantly click in my browser, kccaferadio.com runs these as a regular show on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. and again on Sundays at 4 p.m. again Eastern Time. So, there's a this is getting out to a lot of places and a lot of people, and um, yeah, I'd be curious actually how you found this. So if you if you're interested in a couple of live MP3s or some goodies that I can send over email, send me an email, michael at michaelgather.com is the address, and let me know where you're listening from or how you finding how you how you are finding these episodes. I'm so good with the English language. And I'll send you something back as a thank you. And besides the podcast, my website, again, michaelgather.com, something's working because I, I crossed the 100,000 hit mark for the first time last month. I, uh, I think I peaked at 90 thousand hits in February and then in March it actually topped out at about 122,000 so something's going right thanks for finding the website the podcast and thanks for listening to all these wonderful people that I'm able to interview speaking of wonderful people I'm able to interview let's get down to business shall we this episode, number 87, is going to be a two-part interview with a fine songwriter, James Hurley from Southern California, who I first met at the, uh, well, we actually had a bunch of email exchanges last summer, but I met him at the Far West Folk Conference down in Irvine, California, where it was held this last fall in November of 2009. And if you actually go back to my website, uh, website, yeah, go to the website, <laughs> go to my podcast number 79 was sort of a, a highlight of some of the late night guerrilla showcases at Far West. And I included a couple of songs from James because he played in our private showcase. He was coming through town, coming through the area, playing a show up in Berkeley about a month ago. And so I had him come by the house and uh, did the kitchen table talk. And as we got talking, I, we, we learned that he actually was a resident of the area when he was a kid. And you'll find out, actually, he lived in several places, and you'll find out why in just a few minutes. Um, something I like about this particular talk is there's been a thread running through the last, I don't know, almost half dozen episodes about just the whole recording process. I've talked to Houston Jones and Keith Greninger and Dan Kai and then Cookie Marenko in kind of the middle of that, the Bay Area producer who works on analog tape exclusively. And we all ended up talking about the production process, the recording process and the ideas 
and techniques that people bring to recording their songs. And that became a big chunk of this talk with James, which is why I sequenced it this way. So uh, his latest album is called Tempest in a Teacup. So what we're going to do is uh, hear a couple of you know, quick clips from that. We'll talk to James about who he is and how he kind of ended up with his sort of musical background, kind of the, the, the pop sensibility from his mother and sort of the classic sensibilities from his father, which you can really hear a lot of both influences in his music. We'll talk to James around my kitchen table. And then in part two of this interview, we'll hear him play a few songs for us. So you know how this works. If you are on a web browser while you're or on, a, on a computer, while you're listening to this, you can go to back to the website, michaelgather.com and look for songs and stories, 87 and 88. There's a blog entry for that. And I'll have links to uh, James' website, his tour schedule, CDs, and maybe a couple of related links of things we talk about during this chat. And you can click around and learn more about James as we visit with him around my kitchen table. So here we go. Let's hear a couple of things off his latest CD. And as I pull out my notes, again, very nonchalantly, let's hear a bit of the title track, Tempest in a Teacup, and then we'll hear a really funny song that he talks about in this interview, The Vampire Song, which I was really impressed by. And then we'll talk to James Hurley sitting around my kitchen table. I saw the story in the news. Someone tried to share their views with someone else that just would not agree. Angry words and tempers flared, sabers rattled, war declared, and now once again we're standing on the brink. And day after day the sun comes up and goes back down. And nothing we can say will change the way the world goes round. Holding on to our illusions, we tumble around the sun. A tempest in a teacup While the universe goes on and on and on and on Maybe we could take a nice vacation A week or two would certainly be grand A trip to Transylvania might be just the thing It's lovely in the fall, I understand And though I know you harbor reservations In light of all the stories through the years Well, let me be the first to reassure you And put away your worries and your fears Because Vampires live in Southern California, not the drafty castles of the olden days. The vampires live in Southern California, along the sunny beaches where the palm trees sway. Oh yeah. I've learned doing this that if we start yammering. And if I miss something, and then we're recording, it's like, what were we talking about? So K-Pick, the live music show, and talking about what a great host John Sanders is. And what I like is, you know, when somebody's really good at that kind of thing, you don't always notice it. You notice it when it, you notice that kind of thing. It's like when you read the paper, you notice the typos. You don't notice it when it's done right. Yeah. But um, I went on there when I had 
just a few songs, and I had people saying, "Well, go on KPIG," and I didn't have didn't have a website, had nothing recorded, really wasn't playing out, but I just wanted to do it, and sure. he made me feel like I was just this regular performer. That really was like one of the first things I did, and even the second time, I just I had a gig, but no website, nothing, and he just. He knows how to ask questions and make it roll along. He really does. He yeah. really does. He's a he's been doing it for years, and he has a um, he has a theatrical bent. I mean, he sees the theater mm-hmm. of of broadcast. Yeah, that's, that's evident in everything he says, mm-hmm. the way he says it. And I, I just I really admired. That's the most fun I've ever had at a radio station. Really? Yeah. Hands down. Wow. Yeah. That was that was a fun that's the new standard. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough standard to live up to. Yeah, sure as yeah. heck is. Yeah, yeah it, it's a lot of fun. And you never and the thing I like about that show is because it's been on every Sunday now for I don't know how many years. I mean I kinda lost track, but he has, you know, the big names coming through her playing like Don Quixote's are playing his shows and he has people who are just kinda rolling through like you mm-hmm. were once in a while I have on some high school chorus doing a show and it's just all he'll have and then in the spring you'll have a guy from general feed and seed come on and talk about what the plant you know so it's it's, it's kind of across the board it's it's i, I wouldn't want to, to to draw comparisons or it's almost like uh, uh the farmer's almanac or mm-hmm. garrison keeler's sort of approach to homegrown music homegrown yep. entertainment that whole yeah yeah just, I'm, I'm I'm really just knocked out with the whole that whole K Pig thing. Yeah. And uh, K Fat was the first radio station I was ever in mm-hmm. way back in the olden days. Okay, just over the hill. Right <clears throat> yeah. yeah, yeah. Me and a bunch of old rodeo partners. Uh, okay, talk about dropped up, dropped up. We were driving past Gilroy. Uh huh. Hey, this is where K Fat is. Let's go. So we, so, so we stormed the station. Basically, yeah. we just knocked on the door, and, and I don't know who was on the air, but they welcomed them, welcomed uh-huh. us in there. And, you know, so what are you boys doing? Well, we were on our way to San Luis Rodeo or something. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. And we knew you were here. Yeah, yeah. Reminds me of when I was in high school in the, the local rock station with the San Jose, and it was KSGO, so me and a buddy... When I I just got my first car, an old Mustang, and we decided to go find KSJO, and we did. Found the DJ, walked out with a bunch of stickers. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know. yeah. So you're talking about it today. It was a landmark. It was, it was. It was a milestone. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So KPIG went well for you. Yeah, yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was just. I don't know. It was just a magical morning. I yeah. thought maybe that happens every week down there. I don't know. For me, you know, it's, it's cool. I, Marky and Sherry could probably tell us more, but I'm sure it's not uncommon. I was down there. I found when people are kind of rolling through, it's a good spot for me to do interviews with people because it's kind of like a place to meet. And I was down there about a month ago for Houston Jones, another sure. really phenomenal local band, and it was a nice excuse to drop by and see everybody too. And it was a day when they had. Keith Greninger, who came by here for an interview, he's a local guy, but he's just kind of like top of the pecking order around here, and and well worth it. And some other people that were just amazing. It was just like one great act after another, and then they, the capper was Houston Jones. It was just a great day. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's pretty yeah. pretty high standard over there. I think man. Yeah, that's that's a, it's a it's a real radio station. Yeah, and it attra- I can well imagine it attracts the best type mm-hmm. that are out there. Yeah, yeah. Of, several of my buddies, our buddies, have yeah. played on that. Yeah. Well, at this table is sad. I was interviewing 
local singer, Sharon Allen, has her first CD out a couple weeks ago. And she goes, this is the kitchen table. I go, yeah, Keith Greninger sat here, and Dan Kai sat here, and John Batdorf sat in that chair sitting in now. And I was, I was, then I was trying to list who was who's Brad, um, Brad Kollerick, um, oh, yeah. Dana Hubbard. Um, there's more. My wife said, we should have them all sign something. I go, well, but they can't sign the table. <laughs> they can't sign the wall. they got to figure out some way of like having people make their mark because I've done like a bunch of interviews around this table. Wow. That's, uh, that, that would... Maybe what you... Well... Maybe there's a... Uh, I'll give you a knife. You carve your initials yeah, on the table. The wife will love it. it. I'm sure she'll <laughs> be absolutely delightful. Yeah. So anyway, so we, we met at Far West. That was fun. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You know, that was a blast. That was my first one, and I thought, Let, let's just do it right, get a showcase room, mix it up with people I know and people I don't know, and that's the whole point of going. That's where we crossed paths. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, and um, thanks, for, thanks for having me in your room. That was, that was a nice You were a hit. It was fun. It was cool. Far West is just... It's, Have you gone to really many simple. of them? Yeah, all of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, no, I missed, I missed the first one down in San Diego. Mm-hmm. That's where the first one was. And for the folks listening, Far West is a kind of business folk conference. It's a conference. It's a conference. It's a chance to do some workshops, meet some people, learn a little bit, and make some connections and play. Yeah. And play as much as you can. Oh, and it's Folk Alliance Region West. West. Yeah. Uh, So it's a a component of the Folk Alliance. Have you heard the Late Night at Far West podcast? Did you get around to that? No. Oh, because you're in that too. When I was recording in the room that night... Oh, yes, I did. Yeah. Yes, I, I do remember. Yeah. That was fun. I thought, I'm here. I might as well record and see what happens. <laughs> and that's what happened. <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah. I, that was like, my gosh, that was 2 o'clock in the morning or something. Yeah, it was late. We were just, everybody was just, you know, squeezing out the last notes. Of the yeah. Night. That was a great, that was a great close to that night, too. It was a, that was a, the close of my far west. I don't know how long you hung in there. I took off Sunday morning that was, and drove back. Yeah. Wipe me out. I was done. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty full two and a half days because I got there Thursday. Man. So and I, 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 I said sure. I'd love to stuff gift bags and sure. it was fun for the first two hours. <laughs> it was like, what did I do this for? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah but again, you meet people. That's yeah. the yeah. It's just you know a shared task turns yeah. in, turn, that makes it real easy to relate to people. Yeah. 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 So you're based in Southern California. Yeah. I, where are you from originally? Besides here, um, which we'll talk about. Well, I was, uh, I was born and raised in the military. Oh, okay. So, so all over the place? Fort Eustace, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Military hospital there. We spent a year there, and then we moved to Germany. Mm-hmm. We were in Germany for several years. Oh, okay. Came back over here. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so it's been a road gig. Mm-hmm. From day one, pretty much. Which kind of suits what you're doing now, probably. Yeah, it transits rather well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's 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 always been wheels on the road in some yeah. fashion or another. And you lived here in the area when you were younger for a mm-hmm. spell. About how long was that? Well, I was talking to, to Marky about yeah. that. I counted it up, and it was all told it was about ten years. Oh, okay. So yeah. it was more than just like a year or two. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. My dad was he uh, retired. He was stationed in Fort Ord. That was. Oh, okay. So you were local. So yeah, he came, yeah, yeah. He retired from there in whatever it was, 16. And Fort Ord is about half an hour down the road from here yeah. along the coast. Yeah. So we were, was. Was, yeah. Yeah. I was just out there today. Of the university? Or, well, the, or, or the, the shopping center? Well, I kind of avoid those places because I, I like going around where the, you know, the old, where the stuff that I remember is. Yeah, yeah. And there's still a lot of it there. Yeah. 
And every time I go by, they, it, we, you know, the temporary quarters and all of this. Yeah, the barracks are all still there. There's yeah. a lot of them still there. Yeah. I wanted to go clambering through them, but I, <laughs> I refrained. Yeah. I take my camera back in there or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was, that's where it began. It was in 19, must have been 63. So you've got some local, some local years in you know. Yeah. yeah. Fort Ord, Prunedale, out in Strawberry Canyon, mm -hmm. then up on Summit Road, uh, Redwood Estates area on the 17th. Oh, okay. And uh, Salinas, um, back to Prunedale, Watsonville. Watsonville out off Casterly Road. Yeah. Was, a, was it a barn you were living in there? It was a barn on the property. We called, it? No, we called it the cabin. Uh-huh. Um, and that's, that's just about what it was. It was actually, it was a piece of property that belonged to... Uh, a friend of mine's yeah. family and had for many many years, uh -huh. and they used to pasture cattle and stuff out there. And there was there was a barn, a chicken coop, and I guess it, it was kind of it, well. There were stalls in one of them, so there was a uh -huh. couple of horse horse stalls in there. Yeah. And uh, it hadn't been functioning for a number of years, and it's, it's, but it still remained in the family. So uh -huh. we just kind of squatted out there. Oh, okay. Me and and me, and, you know, I pulled. A camper out there, uh -huh. living in the camper. It was, it was, it was very. Uh, oh, I don't know how to describe that. It was, that was quite a period. <laughs> <laughs> and how old were you when that? Oh, that was going on in uh, my early twenties. Yeah, so the cabin still might be. Out. I mean, the cabin, the cabin still might be out there. The barn. It could be. Yeah. yeah, it was. I drove by it about four years ago, and I was astonished to see it still standing. When when we left there. Uh -huh. It, it, the property had been sold, yeah, and they were planning to bulldoze that and you know develop it and all that right. stuff. So, for it to still be up there all those years later is just rather surreal. Yeah, there's a lot of old barns around here, though. Yeah, yeah we this town's gone through a lot of development. The the outreaching rustic areas really haven't gotten hit too bad. May that long remain so. Yeah. It's, I've gotten a couple of inspiration. I'll give you a copy of my new CD, but I have a song called I Miss My Town, which I wrote when... Because out here, they wanted to, which is kind of semi-rural for people listening that can't see where I live. Um, they wanted to put... They wanted to develop... We got we got annexed about three years ago and got pulled into the city limits, which nothing happened. And But, you know, you pay more taxes, you get more quote-unquote services, but nothing... They didn't actually go through. But they wanted to put... First, it was 500 homes out here across the street and then down the road. Then it was 1,000. Then it was 2,000. And then it became 2,500 homes they wanted to plan out here. And this is during the last big boom before things kind of went. Yeah. And our reaction was, if you're going to build, don't do sprawl. You know, Be sensible about it. And we were trying to fight it. And then it just became, no, it's going to be 2,500 homes. And then fortunately or unfortunately, the economy kind of tanked and the real estate market kind of kind of. Mm -hmm. Kind of lowered, but they, they it's still kind of in the background. It's still on the. It's still on so the. So wrote the song called "I Miss My Town." You know, it was kind of inspired by that. And there, this airport over here, which is a half mile down the road, is there. About every three or four years, you hear somebody clamoring at the bit. They want to develop it and do something, you know. But they want to put in condos or or a university annex or something. And that that airport's really important during earthquakes, during storms, and and then. You know, it's, it actually brings in a lot of money to the town, so. Air shows and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, so hopefully it'll just stay this way. I mean, and it wasn't really a nut in my backyard thing. It's like, if you're going to do it, do it right. Don't just, like, sprawl and, 
It's like, no, we're going to do it like this. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah it's, that's an unrestrained, unregulated expansion masquerading as progress. Yeah. I just resent that. I just really do. Yeah. It bothers me to my core. Yeah. So, well, let's talk about happier things. When did music come along? Oh, man. Well, it uh, goes back a long, long way. But very musical family. Mm, okay. uh, not that my, my folks didn't play, but they were... My dad, in particular, has a very sophisticated ear. Mm -hmm. um, well, let me see. He was 16 and attended the Benny Goodman concert at Carnegie Hall, at which Sing 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 was recorded. Wow. Um, and in his 20s, in, in uh, World War II, he was in France hanging around with Django Reinhardt. And he huh. brought Django's music and all of the rest of that music into the, into the household. So he was, was a serious fun. listener. Yeah, well put. Yeah. Well put, precisely. It was the sort of, it, you didn't do something and listen to music. Right. You yes. sat and, listened. and you listened and yeah. you paid attention. I, I, I read that, really internalized that lesson mm -hmm. because it was really special. Don't touch the records. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's, that's yeah. the other lesson. Keep your hands <laughs> off my records. <clears throat> But I will put them on for you, but don't touch them yourself. You may listen. Yeah. From there. <laughs> but uh, so the, you know, the house is full of that sort of thing. Uh, Louis Armstrong, mm -hmm. Billie Holiday, Ella, Joe Pass. He was a he was a, a steady visitor. Uh, he was a real favorite of my dad's, and uh, and just. There was a lot of music in the in the house, and it was fairly you know it was fairly sophisticated. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I I can't remember. I think the one of the first songs I remember, you know, owning or you know getting into mm -hmm. my into my love was that. Uh, uh oh, I'm falling in love again. Uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> remember that thing? Yeah, I do. Uh, Jimmy Rogers, mm. not not the singing Breakman guy, but the other pop Jimmy singer. Rogers. Yeah. Um, did that one and there was a one-eyed one horn flying purple people here <laughs> so there, there's my roots folks <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> but those songs had great hooks and they stuck and you know there's a reason yeah. there's a reason you went out and bought those 45s yeah yeah well they I think what happened is I just kept howling that stuff until my folks went and got them yeah a little record player. I hate, finally, at, at one point or another, we had our three boys had our own record player. Yeah. Um, so we, we there's that stuff, and and then of course the Beatles came along. Yeah, and that was a that was a real turning point. I think I was out playing in the yard in Strawberry Canyon, mm -hmm. and my mom comes out and says, "Come on in the house. There's something you're going to want to see." Uh, all remember. right. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I was out there. You know torturing toads or something. Sure. I was really focused on what yeah. I was doing. I'm busy. Yeah. I'm working here. <laughs> torturing <laughs> toads is in my planner for today at 3 o'clock, but all right, I can put it off. Okay. So I go in and, and watch, watch the, the Ed Sullivan performance. Oh. And, uh, I, That's I, a pretty cool mom. To, you got to come see this. Yeah. 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 She, she had a, she, you know, she had an ear as well. Yeah. And, and, she was. She knew uh, it was a big deal. She knew it was, and she was. She was the the, you know, my dad was kind of a, a purist, mm -hmm. and she was more pop oriented. Oh, okay. You know? So 
So she'd say, you know, she'd kind of run interference. But my dad had nothing to do with the Beatles. Mm -hmm. Not until he started hearing other performers do Cover their the songs. Oh. Uh, who wrote that? Well, that's the Beatles' dad. I hate that damn name. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, you know, it's cool. it really shows two different influences. Your mom was more open to pop and probably like progressive music or yeah. commercial and your dad was more the more of the classicist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a it was an interesting it was an interesting amalgam of influences. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think man they were you know in their 20s in the pre-war years and in the war years. Mm -hmm. What a dynamic time to be in your 20s. Yeah, they call it yeah. the greatest generation for a reason. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> they knew how to party. Yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting. Always looking back and seeing where pe people's musical tastes kind of formed and where they evolved from. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I've noticed. I've done a couple of interviews of this sort over uh -huh. like the last two years, and I've noticed that I, I'm starting to. I've, I've never looked at these issues, mm -hmm. but. You know, it, it there there's the direct line from point A to to, to today. Mm -hmm. It's it's really self evident. And of course, there's a purple people eater. That's why I write these goofy songs. Right, goofy songs make me happy. Right, and of course, there's whisper or walk away or something. It's just loads. Well, it shows on Tempest in a Teacup, your newest release. I mean, there's these beautiful songs, but then near the end, there's the Vampire song, which is this really funny, goofy ass song that yeah. it's really fun. It's it's. I think that's that's as much as much a part of the life we live as any of the rest of it. Mm -hmm. And to leave that upper unrepresented is to sell out your own damn life. That's mm -hmm. my take on it. Yeah. Don't I sound pompous? <laughs> Gosh, so this one's full of himself. No, no, yes. no, 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 no. Yeah, I, uh, you know, when you when you produce something like like this, yeah. and what kind of music is it? That's the first. You, you know, oh, I love you, that question. Yeah. Uh, well, it's kind of like you have five minutes. Well, it's yeah. kind of like this, and it's kind of like this, and it's kind of like this, and it's kind of like this. It's hyphenated. It's a, it's a, it's a but on the one hand, people that I and I also found that people who, you know, I think being musicians and probably like me, you came into this as sort of a fan of of, of music before you were playing it in a big way, probably. Certainly. Um, what was my point? Don't leave me. Um, you know, I think we're, we're used to talking to people that are musically literate or at least appreciative of different kinds of music. But when you're talking sure. to people who aren't, just listen to the radio and they ask me, what kind of music do you do? Well, it's... Then I think it's okay to, to stammer a little bit. I think that five-minute explanation is okay if they're really interested. It's, if, if they're interested. In my case, it's folk, Americana. It's kind of singer-songwriter. It's, it's pretty narrative-driven. There's So I kind of got my spiel. But for people that aren't musically, you know, over-the-top like we are... I think it's. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I, I, if if you can actually get the entire description out, it has already turned into a conversation. Yeah. If I can get like a couple of things that are, I think, interesting and it kind of perks their interest, then it's worth it. Yeah. But, yeah. But like this album, I really liked it because I, I've done which which number is how many of these have you done? That's a third. A third. And I'm I'm looking at number three, and I've done two, and so I'm. I've got most of the songs for number three, and what am I going to do next? And so I'm kind of thinking, 
you know, I've done the, the big Americana kind of with a band sound. I don't want to do a sparsy folk album. I want to do something in the middle. So I'm always looking at how people produce their records. Mm -hmm. So I'm really looking, and, and this I like, Tempest in a Teacup, the newest release. Uh, it's not folk. I think iTunes called it rock when it came up. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an amalgam yeah. of, of different things, you know. There's, there's, there's these really kind of tender songs with a, with a beat to them, and there's the vampire song, and there's some that... Some very autobiographical. Some might just have pieces of that, and so it's somebody uh, acoustic eclectic neo folk is what somebody called it recently. I like that. It's yeah. it's a it's another hyphenate. Yeah, they um, all are. Americana on the rocks with a twist. That was, that's <laughs> a direct quote from from somebody after a show. Yeah, I, I solicit this very thing from audiences. When oh, I play. that's a good idea. I, say, I don't know what kind of music this is. Yeah, um, and if you've got any ideas, I'd love to hear them. It's also a clever way to engage people too. It makes them kind of listen. One hopes. Yeah, well, yeah. If they're coming up and giving you ideas, they're listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's. Uh, there have been a lot of descriptions, but I, I think it falls broad under the broad heading of rock in that, um, my goodness, think of what that actually encompasses. Everything from Zeppelin to the Beatles, mm -hmm. that's, that's all categorized as rock. Now, mm -hmm. of course, we're living in a day, you know, there are subcategories within subcategories right. within subcategories. And so... You know, Postmodern, progressive, punk, yeah, whatever you know. <laughs> Speed metal, psycho folk, Zydeco. yeah, exactly, Thank exactly. You. And for me, it's like I've, I've sort of avoided the. I think mine gets classified under folk as a rule because Americana is kind of a weird description. Like, what's that? You know, like Casey Chambers from Australia. She plays Americana, but she's Australian. That doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because there's no Australia Kana, you know, which yeah. would be a great one for her. I should. Ostracana. Yeah, Ostracana. <laughs> yeah. But um, to me, folk's always been, and I'm, I'm probably going to lose people, but, you know, introspective, navel gazing, and boring. That, to me, that was always folk. So I avoid mm. that label, but folk's a pretty wide, you know. Well, see, I, I think back when I think of uh, folk, I think of the other, the other area, like uh, Guthrie. And yeah. Seeger and and um, the, was it the Letterman and the Limelighters right, and those guys? Right, right, right. right. I, that's I kind of tend to think of that as folk. Today, you know, folk is well, it's kind of like the the rock. Head. It's all subcategorized. It's acoustic, yeah, based. It's acoustic centric, if right, you will. Right. And man, I mean, you were at Far West. Mm -hmm. That ain't no folk alliance, baby. No, <laughs> that no. is acoustic. It's acousticpalooza, <laughs> yeah. you know? and it's all over the yeah. map. Yeah, it truly yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, everything from the very thing we were just describing to uh, Walter Strauss. Yeah, yeah. Hans York. I mean, those guys are not playing folk music. No, and then within those within that that umbrella, you've got you know classic bluegrass, and you've got just you know, all those kind of categories you you think would go under anyway. Yeah, it goes on and on and on. Yeah. We're still, folks, we're still trying to figure out what in the we hell don't know what the hell is. we're doing. <laughs> we're making it up as we go along. Yeah. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> anyway, but Tempest in a teacup. So talk about the. Um, I think what I'll do on this in this episode is I'll open it up with a couple of song pieces. But any songs in particular that you 
Oh, what was the approach you took to this CD? Was it a? It doesn't really have a band, so it has more of a. I have these songs. I want these sounds on it. Was that kind of the approach? Um, yes, uh, as far as production is concerned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I again, I'm selfishly researching my third project to see what people how people approach it. So go ahead. Well, my approach with with any time I approach a recording, mm -hmm. um, I I look to the song for guidance. Mm -hmm. Where that's concerned, yeah. and sometimes it is literally a process of elimination. I'll have some idea, you know, um, and I'll I'll go to explore that idea and discover, you know what, that sucks. Sorry, mm -hmm. you don't get to use an accordion here. Yeah. It's it's this is the wrong sound. Right. So I I always look to the song for for the guidance. Um, my goodness. Mountain. I knew that was a rocker of some sort, mm -hmm. and uh, I had a pretty clear idea. You know, those big jangly guitars and the bridge. It's just it's it's huge. And I was after a particular. I wanted a class A amplifier sound. Mm -hmm. I could, and sure enough, it was a silver tone from 1963. Wow. Um, that one. I that was pretty solid idea. My favorite cut too. It reminded me of around here too. It's just that idea. You bet. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah, and I know. that's why that song's so angry. Yeah, you know, because I don't like that. <laughs> um, to um, to carry on, the other end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, it's a it it does include a drum kit and stuff, but it's it's very. There's not a lot of instrumentation there until the tag out, and mm -hmm. quite to me, the the vocal portion of that song is only the introduction to that tag out. Hmm. That is where that is where I achieve destination when I listen to it. Mm -hmm. That's where the resolution is for me. Um, because it's it's addressing something that doesn't have any words yeah. to me. Um, so and of course that you know electric guitar and that sort of thing. Um, so what sounds do you think belonged on the vampire song? Well, I, I tracked that, I think, three different times. Mm -hmm. um, I knew there was going to be a horn of some sort on mm -hmm. it. Um, and at one point, I was considering, I, I was actually talking to a tap dancer, a professional tap dancer, and I was going to record them dancing to the song <laughs> and use that as the rhythm section oh. you know, with their feet. Right. And um, that got really that was starting to get really expensive. That can be really complicated too. And, yeah. yeah, it was. It was one of those. Um, hey, why don't we just try? You know, so it was one of those. Hey, hey, guys, let's put on a show. It right. was that kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My dad's got a got a barn. We yeah. call it a cabin. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, it's a camp route back for the green room. <laughs> so. Uh, I, I did experiment with that. I, I talked to some people and, and uh, talked to one engineer in particular. How would you like to record that? And he was he was getting all excited about the prospect of doing something out off the rails. You know, completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did run into it. As an aside, have you seen the YouTube video where the the bluegrass band uses the tractor for the rhythm section? Speaking of off the rails. Oh, it's like a hit and miss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just reminded me yes. of that. I'll link it in the podcast because we're talking about found songs. Oh, yeah, found sounds. Yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, anyway, yeah. tap dancing was expensive and cumbersome, and well, yeah. a, a cool idea that didn't work out. And I correct. So I, I tracked it, and 
you know, just the way you do. Um, sketch a guitar, sketch a vocal, start pasting things on it, seeing, is this leaning in the right direction? Am yeah. I getting any satisfaction? And uh, I didn't. I, I, yeah. I took it on the road with me. Mm -hmm. I had the hard drive with me on the road. This thing was recorded all over the western <laughs> United States. Mm -hmm. um, and finally I realized the, uh, the meter was incorrect. I, oh. I had played it. I had just selected a, a meter that mm -hmm. day, and it wasn't. It was wrong, and it was just like two or three BPM. Meter being the timing of the song and the rhythm. Yeah, yeah. how many beats per minute? Right. Um, and so it was like uh, two or three BPM, and I went back. I, you know, there was one engineer, Chaz Ferry. He got pretty frustrated with me at times <laughs> because I'd, I'd come in off the road or something, and I, having lived with what I'd been recording, that was the main mm -hmm. main studio where I was recording. Yeah. I'd pick up tracks all over the country, mm -hmm. and I'd go back there and do the work. And I, could, I was like four or five times I come back. Okay, we got to wipe that one and start <laughs> this huh, time for sure. What? <laughs> what? I and then finally, bless his soul, every single time, you know, he he looked at me. He look at me a little later, and you know, after we'd done the work, he says, "Well, you're right." Yeah. But you know, because he was, you know, he wants to see the project completed and stuff. Yeah, like you want closure at some point, yeah. but it's like it's. I had this conversation with Sharon Allen, literally, like at that in that chair a week and a half ago, and she was like, "Your songs, your project, you've got to be happy with it." You know. Well, the, the, he liked he, and within yeah. and within your budget, of course. But well, know. that's one thing about this this record. I got to say that this had no budget. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it had all of the budget. This was this could well have taken a lifetime to record. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things where I had no money, mm -hmm. no means. I had a backlog of material, mm -hmm. and I it was time to record. And I just kind of went, "It's time to record." Mm -hmm. And about three weeks later, I was at a show in north of Seattle at a house concert. And I go up to the you know the donation bucket after the show, mm -hmm. and there's an envelope in there. Hmm. And I open the envelope, and there's a note that says, "For the new album, there's 400 bucks in there." Wow. Jesus, and it's anonymous. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, that that's a clue. Yeah. So I opened a bank account with that four hundred bucks, mm -hmm. and I just put it in there, and, and do, do 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 go down on down the road. Somebody believes in this. Yeah, and wow. that was just the first of. I I can't I couldn't count them. Uh, mm. Then it started it started generating its own. You know, then I ran into this guy Chaz, and, mm -hmm. and he says, "Well, you know what." I'd love you to come take a look at my studio. Just come by and do a little bit of tracking. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we just, you know, on the cuff, kind of let it, let it ride. We'll just play around, yeah. see how it feels. So I went over and, my goodness, he's a, he's a, he's a master with, a, with Pro Tools in particular. Mm -hmm. um, he's fast. He's as, fa as fast as I come up with ideas, he's waiting for me. Nice. He's already in position, you know. He's, you know, when I say dump it, it's gone by the d time the D comes out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's so we got into this rhythm of working. And then he pulls me aside after one of the sessions. He says, James, I, I really like this project. But man, if I don't start generating some money with this, I'm going to be divorced. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. he, he, was, he made a very generous arrangement with me financially. Mm -hmm. And 
and his his wife was every bit as supportive. Yeah. But you know, they have rent to pay. All sure. That, you know. Everybody has bills. Yeah, and it's it, uh, it, it that's how that whole album happened. At one point, a check arrived in the mail for fifteen hundred bucks, man, and that, and then another one for a thousand. Wow. And then I. I, I got that this was be this is way beyond any of my doing. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, the forces wanted to see this thing get done. Oh yeah. man, I I it really was a that was a angels along the way. Yeah, it was wow. an incredible experience, and that's when it came to selecting the tunes for recording. Mm-hmm. We we recorded quite a bit more material than this. Yeah, um, and got it to various degrees mm-hmm. of completion and I had no intention of selecting the songs I wanted the reverse to happen and let the songs select themselves mm-hmm. and that's precisely what did indeed mm-hmm. occur um, and, and you know even if it took retracking I mean just live up to the song live up yeah. to the promise of the song and it'll tell you, guess, <laughs> you, know, you know, throw it to you know exactly well, let's hear something Okay. All righty. So there you have it. James Hurley, a bit about his musical influences and uh, kind of where this new record, Tempest in a Teacup, came from. You know, when I was busy yammering about my podcast and website stats at the beginning, I forgot to give you some context for this interview, so I'll backtrack a little bit. We were talking at the beginning of the interview about um, KPIG Radio, kpig.com for you, those of you on the internet kind of a landmark station and it's really close to home here in Freedom, California. And uh, they have a live music show every Sunday morning called Please Stand By that's been on for at least five years and probably longer, but it's hosted by Sleepy John Sandage, a local DJ and and just a great guy and um, gives a lot of people a chance to play. Anybody coming through, anybody starting out, they can pretty much play on KPIG, and it's just sort of a wonderful local resource. That's what we were talking about, was the live show, Please Stand By. And if you want to hear, actually, if you want to hear our recent, me and my band were on there uh, a couple of months ago. If you go to my press page on michaelgather.com, and there's some radio interviews, and I just posted our complete performance on Please Stand By with a couple of my songs and a cover of Warren Zevon's My Rides here, but... uh, have a listen to that if you're if you're curious. But James and I were talking about that particular show, and the other people we were talking about Sherry, who he mentioned there. Sherry Austin's a another local songwriter who helps out in the show, and she was on my podcast about a year and a half ago. And Marky, uh, Marky Starks hosts a local house concert series and is a wonderful music supporter and part of our sort of as I'm as I've been terming it the the local music sort of mafia underground people you can go to to kind of get some get some get some help with when you're doing your thing. So uh, that's part one of the interview with James Hurley. A little bit about who he is. And now you probably know how this works if you listen to more than a couple of these episodes. Now we're going to hear James play a little bit for us. So this is episode 87. Uh, If you're on my website, just click on episode number 88. It's right below this one. If you're in iTunes, it'll be up in a couple of weeks. If you're back east listening to or on the web listening to grateful dread radio or casey cafe radio it's the next episode they'll play next week and uh, again if you want to want to get a couple of free mp3s let me know how you're hearing these podcasts or how you like them or just shoot me a email and say howdy michael at michaelgaither.com one quick other plug jameshurleymusic.com is where you'll find all about james and you can also find about him on the podcast notes for this on my website. So uh, 
coming up, we're going to hear James play a few songs for us, still around my kitchen table. So uh, however you find this podcast, thank you. I really appreciate your time for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on Songs and Stories. Take care.